because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right. Welcome to another Baseball Ops podcast. Really, probably one of my, you're going to be one of my favorite uh, guests. I, I'm going to have to say definitely my mentor through my career, uh, my strength coach, that was a pivotal uh, influence for me uh, after a major injury in my career, um, Kurt Hester. Um, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here, Kurt. Thanks for coming on, man. No problem, brother. Glad to do it for you. And I'm going to tell my story when I met you because I still tell that story today. Um, I, I had torn my rotator cuff, and I'm sure you got this all the time back then. I mean, you got athletes coming in with all different reasons. But I came into Kurt, and I was – I, I said, Kurt, look, the doctor's telling me I probably can't throw again. I'm having a lot of real issues now getting back to throwing shape. And uh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like I might have the eligibility in college to do this. And you said, look, I don't know much about throwing, but I'm going to make you the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on the field. And I was like, well, that's all I got to hear. I mean, that was the only hope I think I had had in my, in my career at the time by any professional that said they could help me. And, and not, only, not only did you say you can help me, but you considerably helped me. I mean, you changed my career. Yeah, you were more like a science experiment at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. I'm glad it was a good experiment. <laughs> and let's well, see what we could build. <laughs> yeah, you were. But, I mean, that was your mentality, right? That's always been your mentality. It's like I don't care what anyone's saying about you or – or what you think you, you is best for you, I'm going to make you a, a beast, right? I mean, that's always yeah. been your mentality, right? Well, that and you, were, you had a different mentality than most baseball players because you had that you know middle linebacker football mentality when right. it came to training. So you weren't, you weren't scared to try, try new stuff. Yeah, I think it helped because I, I played football in high school. So, you know, and, and let's talk about that. Like, I mean, I, I, for, before we do that, let's get people to understand who you are. Can you give us a run through of like all your accolades, everything you've done, just so they know how successful you've been? Uh, you know, it's kind of start out Tulane, you know, graduating in physiology, you know, always training my entire life since I was 12 years old. Um, you know, went from Tulane to LSU, you know, worked with LSU baseball at 96 national championship team and uh, 97 national championship team. Then opened up my own training facility, then moved on after Katrina to Nashville and uh, opened up a uh, chain of training facilities uh, with, with some of the guys that I worked with for the draft, um, D1 sports training. Then after a, quite, a, quite a long time, decided I, I needed to do what I do best and build teams, uh, work with, with you know, college athletes and went back and, uh, you know, at Louisiana Tech for the last seven years now. It's kind of like a short, short version. <laughs> And then not only that, I just learned from you that Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Tech just got crushed by a tornado. Can you tell them what just happened? Yeah, uh, you know, Thursday night about two in the morning. Uh, uh, I forgot what category it was. It was a pretty pretty hefty one. Uh, touchdown, pretty much destroyed the baseball field, softball field, soccer field, a lot of businesses in downtown Rust. It actually skipped right over the top of my house. I actually walked outside in the middle of it. Not realizing it was a tornado. <laughs> There's no sirens, no nothing. Yeah, I was like, God, that's some strong ass winds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and then, 
yeah, we had no power and I did, you know, um, so school's been canceled for the next two days until Monday until we get power and everything back. And not only that, you're, you're a grandfather. <laughs> hey, yeah. Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Am I letting the cat out of the bag at all or no? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a lot of people know now, but I still don't see myself as being that old. I know. I can see, I know that bothers you. You, you're, you've always been a man of youth. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's, dive into it you know my my most of my viewers are baseball and there's just a big you know you know there's a big um and what's the word conflict between baseball players and strength or and, and football as far as like i don't think a lot of baseball players have ever accepted that football as far as even you know football strength and conditioning is is something of any benefit to a baseball player and, and i want to kind of talk about that subject like we're how does this all work? You've been a strength coach for years. Aren't you in this? Aren't don't you have some like uh, awards? Uh, like a yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've been nominated for national coaches of the year. You know, in a lot of you know different organizations, and um, you know, I, I travel all over the country speaking. You know, go to Europe speaking. But you know, it's uh, you know to Poland and. Um, so, so you're well known for strength and conditioning, and, yeah, and, and you've worked with all different types of athletes. But you know, here, here's the thing: like when I was when I was at Tulane, I was known as the speed guy. You know, then when I went to first went to LSU, I was known as you know the guy that came in you know to work speed with football because uh, of working with Tom Shaw. You know, uh, with uh, at Tulane, and, and you know Tom went on with the Saints and Wild Roll Sports, where he trains more first round draft picks than anybody on the, the planet. Uh, so I was always known as like a speed guy and. Then, you know, my work with Coach Coach Gail Hatch, I was known as an Olympic lifting guy. Then, my, then I, was, you know, worked with LSU baseball, went to national championships, and I was the baseball guy. And man, I'm just a, you know, I'm a performance guy, you know. And, you know, it's just uh, these guys, they want to, you know, people want to pigeonhole. You're either a baseball guy, a softball guy, a basketball guy, a football guy. And athletes are athletes. Now, they have, some of them have special needs, but they're still athletes. It's still based on movement, you know. And I think – when I first started, we were doing, I was doing a lot of explosive lifts and, you know, we were doing a lot of squat variations. Our guys were getting strong in, in, in a time when everybody looked at major league baseball and all they did was band work and some core work. And, you know, they were, you know, but then we rely on steroids to hit the ball farther and throw the ball faster. So it's like, okay, why wouldn't you want to try and do that naturally? You know, but all major league uh, managers were against training. Uh, whatsoever. And all the guys at LSU, when they go on to the league, their teams would have problems with the way they would train. And, and they were so aggressive in their training manner. They're like, oh, that's not how we do it in the major league. It's not how we do it. And they're like, well, that's how I got here. I got here by working this hard and doing these these certain things. And I mean, we're finally getting now where, where major league baseball teams are actually building building facilities, building with, with racks and putting actual weights in there instead of stopping at like 20-pound dumbbells. You know, so the, the, the mentality is starting to change. There's still that phobia because, there's you know, you get so much dad baseball growing up and, and your dad has that influence on, every, on, on on the kid in baseball. And so they basically have all this mis misnomers of, of training and they, they pass that along to their their kid, you know, for a whole lifetime of, of, of working with, you know, with, you know, playing baseball. So you have to fight that all the all the all the things and all the misinformation that they've had since they were kids. And, and it's, you know, it's getting better. Um, you know, 
guys like Zach Deshan at TCU. I mean, there's guys who are like getting a really aggressive and doing some really good things out there with baseball players because it's, it's an explosive sport. It's a game of movement and sitting in a dugout and then exploding and then going back and sitting in a dugout, you know? And there's not, I haven't yet to meet a, a speed coach or some type of an explosive uh, training coach who, who doesn't say, you know, you know, Olympic lifts or any type of explosive uh, training would not be beneficial for a baseball. They almost consider it would be the perfect sport because it's it's purely built on you know quick, explosive, short interval movements. Right. So, but it it makes no sense that baseball's fought against it for years. And like you said, daddy ball, this this mentality of playing all year round, or like major league baseball playing 162 games a year. It, they're obviously obsessed about playing, and they don't really consider the off season approach uh, to it. And if you are going to really get into an off-season approach, I mean, I don't know how you can have that conversation without talking about explosive training, right? Right. I mean, it's it's a game of of, of max ex, max explosive power and speed, and then the rest of the time you're you're not moving, you know. So it's not like you have to have to build up this huge endurance component, um, you know. And e- even like back in the day, uh, you know, Coach Burtman at LSU, he wanted me to run pitchers five and three miles. And, but he, at the same time, he wanted to, he's told me, I want the biggest pitchers in the country. And I'm like, well, we can't have the yeah, biggest pitchers in the country if we're running them like Kenyans. Right. You know, and I said, dude, I said, in a game, he said, well, we need endurance. I said, well, in a game, do you jog around the mile, around the mound really slow uh, for, for, for a long period of time? He's like, no. I said, well, then why are we going to do it? Why, why are we training them that way, uh, you know, as pitchers? You know, that's not how you train endurance. So, so we'll train short sprints and, and, uh, and, and plyos and, uh, you know, and have recovery times that are the same as, as, as a pitch count. And that's how we'll develop our athletes. Right. And I mean, and back then you, you, that became so popular. And, and I think you give kudos to Bit Bertman for supporting your efforts to do that that they started calling it gorilla ball back then. And, and I mean, weren't you really the one behind the gorilla ball movement? Yeah. Well, well, Skip was because Skip said, I, he just said, I want the biggest team in the country, which I couldn't believe a baseball coach was actually telling me that. And which made me really happy. And then he gave me a ton of money. I mean, more money at that point in time in the nineties, uh, we were, we had more supplements for baseball than uh, the football team had for football, you know, for, for, for the entire football team. And wow. they, they, actually, the football team was more jealous of the baseball program because we had, I mean, that's back when you could, you know, you didn't have any guidelines by NCAA. You could order whatever you wanted. Right. So we, we had basically a GNC store in a, in a storeroom just for baseball. Well, the cool story is I remember you told one time, didn't you go ahead before the College World Series to set up the weight room for them? Yeah, we uh, actually had a world's gym. Yeah, we, 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 we trained in a world's gym, you know, set it up to where we go, go, we'd go there, take a bus, go there for free the entire the entire time we're at the World Series. And so that's awesome. I mean, how many teams are lifting while in the World Series? None. But our guys, it was like, they felt like if they didn't lift, uh, you know, from a mental standpoint, they've been doing it the whole year. It was, why stop now? You know, we're just going to, you know, it's, it's from a mental standpoint, it was like, okay, we're not doing what, what it took to get us here. So we're just going to keep, we're going to keep on working. You know, the amazing thing is I took Matt Bruce. I mean, you, you, um, always talked about coach coach hatch and i wound up spending time with coach hatch and getting to know coach hatch and then i got to know matt bruce and you know matt and i took matt to an abca which is the biggest baseball convention in the world um thousands of vendors 
it's every vendor that wants to be represented in baseball in the trade show, just in the trade show itself. I usually do the trade show. And I never forget Matt. I'm bringing Matt into the trade show to hang out with us and talk about lifting and everything. And Matt asks, he goes, hey, Brent, how many barbell companies are, are at the trade show? And I said, zero. I said, I have the only barbell in the entire convention center at my booth. He, he, it blew his mind, dude. Like, why do you think that barbell barbell companies find no value in selling barbells at a baseball convention? Because of the fact that, you know, they uh, put it this way, uh, I think it was, um, I can't remember what player I was working with. They were, they'd sign with Tampa Bay. Uh, no, it was, uh, Eddie Furnace with, with, with the pirates. Yeah, yeah. And he went down to Florida and, uh, he walked in the weight room and they had four bow flexes <laughs> and they had dumbbells from three pounds to 35 pounds and that was it and that was it you know because it was because you had pts were strength coaches they're like you know and you can't you know oh we, we're worried about you know you can't lift overhead we're worried about uh you know the rotator cuff uh we're heavy, worried about you shoulder impingement you know we're worried you know and all this all this crazy stuff that's like okay we're gonna make you weaker and they expect you to go throw more <laughs> Exactly. Well, Rachel Baklavec, you know Rachel, right? Yeah. She said, and she made this comment one time, and it was great. She said, the worst D1 uh, strength and conditioning facility is better than the best major league strength and conditioning facility. Yeah. And, and but right now, if you look at what, like, like Sorenex is kind of dominating the strength market right now, and they just did the Red Sox. Um, so it's starting uh, to happen. Yeah, they're starting to, I mean, they're putting, they're putting full racks, you know, you know, putting full flooring down. So they're, you know, guys are, they're starting to do, uh, you know, more pulling movements, um, starting to do more overhead movements. So they're starting to train more like athletes instead of like, uh, you know, rehab patients. <laughs> right. But they still have an injury problems. I mean, what, I mean, why do you think they are still struggling with injury? I mean, major, major contract players, big, big money constantly blowing out. Well, I mean, if if you looked if you looked at the time if you looked at the 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 years of 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 the asterisks, you know, the steroid years, I don't think you had as many because they were they were using growth they were using growth hormones to recover, they're using drugs to recover. So they can you know because the seasons are so long and the wear and tear uh, is is pretty evident, you know, uh, especially if you're a pitcher, how much you know, you know, especially if you're a big hitter too, you know, taking huge cuts. You know, day after day after day, game after game, it wears on the body. And, you know, there's a big thing about, you know, doing a lot of trying to be anti-rotational. Well, you know, it's the the body's going to, you know, you're going to have rotation no matter what. You can't fight it. Uh, you're going to have asymmetry. There's no way you're going to make, the human body's made with asymmetry. It's not like you're going to be some, you're not, no human is symmetrical, period. And you're not, you're not going to, you're never going to, you're never going to find it. You're never going to achieve it. And I think some guys are just chasing the wrong things in, in training baseball players. And plus the fact that they're not training at a high level for the most part. Uh, they're, you still got managers that don't want them. You know, if they pick up any weight over 45 pounds, you know, they, they, they freak out. Um, you, you, everything starts with your feet generating power, whether you're on the mound, whether you're, you know, whether you're in a batter's box. And they, they don't want to, you know, train lower body, you know, very, very hard. So 
you know, you're you fighting a lot of different things. But yeah, the guys who the guys who want to the guys who I think some of these younger guys are gonna they're, they're gonna change they're gonna yeah. change it. They're for, they're gonna force it to change. I mean, they're gonna have to. Yeah. It's gonna be overwhelming to the organizations. And as soon as, as soon as you get some of these younger managers too, like you know, I just kind of noticed the other day because I don't I don't I don't watch baseball a whole lot um, except for at the college level. Neither do I. And you know, and and Alex Cora was was a manager. Right. And and so this shows how you know how old. I am, I, you know, he was playing for Miami when we beat him in the World Series. I know, I remember that. That's when he passed out at shortstop. Yeah, they're all laying down on the ground, <laughs> face down. But, you know, so it's like, you know, I think guys like, you know, guys like him and guys younger than him are going to start changing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, you know, you hear also, too, you got like John Smoltz, Ron Darling publicly going out and saying the reason – we're in this place and we have such injury is because of weightlifting. It's like when we can get out of that echo chamber, yeah. I think we evolved, don't you think? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean it's it's you know you can't you know, you, everything's based on strength. So if you're weak, you're gonna get hurt. Period. I don't care what position you play. You know, and so if you you know Well, but the, here's the thing, and Kurt, this is what I've figured out is in baseball, it's arm strength. So they think they're talking strength. They think they're talking just like us. So they think, oh, it's, it's, it's not strength. It's how you're developing that strength. And they think that you can develop arm strength by throwing. So I've been questioning this, and I think I've been hitting really the, the source of the problem. I've been saying or questioning, is, is throwing developing arm strength, really? Like, do, is there evidence showing that actually throwing is developing arm strength? Because the evidence I'm finding says it isn't. Over time, you're getting weaker because of the throwing. Like, there's studies yeah. showing that the average p professional pitcher is weaker in certain areas of strength movement in the shoulder than the general public. Their external strength, external rotation strength is actually weaker than the general public. So I think that's where we got to hit it is that they think they're strengthening, but they're really not because throwing is not strengthening. You think I'm right? Yeah, I think you're spot on. And, that, and the same reasons like, you know, when, when a pitcher throws 4,000 pins and hurts, you know, either hurts his elbow or hurts his shoulder, the first thing the coach they, they, first thing they're going to say, well, you're, you're lifting too much. It's like, uh, no, if, if, if he wasn't throwing and just lifting, he would probably be fine. You know, if you took cut down your volume of throwing and still and train, he would be fine. But the problem is the volume is so high that the arm can never recover. Yeah. You know? and it's the my same thing in football. You know, when you go into camp and, you know, and you start having any kind of hamstring or, uh, you know, hip flexor issues when they're sprinting max effort, for 35 straight days in a row and then wonder why they have they have soft tissue problems and you're like okay if you're getting ready for a track meet you're not going to max effort sprint 35 straight days in a row <laughs> before a track meet you know because you would blow you would blow yourself up but it's that same mentality that it you is. have in football as you have in baseball with a pitcher yeah and they're so confused they'll get in the weight room and they'll do a bilateral movement like an overhead press specifically in the arms or like a they'll be rack, front racking right and the pitcher will go, or the throwing athlete will go, man, this is hurting my, my arm. And I said, oh, it, it's hurting your arm, uh, one arm or both arms? And they'd be like, oh, no, it's hurting my throwing arm, my throwing elbow. I'm like, well, why do you think it's not hurting your other arm? Because you're doing the same with both arms. And then you got them, because then you start going, well, you think it's really the lift that's hurting it? Or is it just irritating a previous injury from the throwing with that arm? And I, I think that's the problem is – 
it's the baby with the bathwater. It's like, well, I'm never going to get rid of throwing, but anything that irritates it, I'm not going to use it. Use, right. So you, so you don't develop it. Basically, it's like, you, so you never develop a callus of strength to overcome that. It, and, it, and, you know, Sean, you know, Dr. Sean Pastouche with, with, um, with Active Life RX? Do you know him? No. He, he's a great guy. He, he works with a lot of CrossFit athletes on injury and stuff. His favorite saying is, it, it's, but it's the same mentality. It's like everyone, a lot of athletes, they get irritated by something. They just want to throw it out. And it, it, he's like, you got you to take that all the way to the end. Like, it, so if yeah. it burns the pee, are you not going to pee? Like, it's, it's really not a good mentality to go, oh, this is irritating me. I'm not going to do it. You got to find out why it's irritating you and fix the problem, not just throw out the, the movement, the lift, the exercise, the drill. Like, you got to figure out the, what's do, causing it because that's a real problem to you that's going to manifest itself in other ways. Oh, definitely. You know, it, it's, you know, it's just, you're going to fight, you're going to fight, basically fight the machine in this field uh, for probably the next 15 to 20 years before things really, I'm serious, before things really start to move. I, I look at some of the stuff that, you know, in strength and conditioning, you know, across the board, especially in football, where I think, you know, with all the advances in technology, we're regressing. And we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting worse, you know? And why do you think, why do you think we're regressing? I think, um, social media has a lot to do with it. I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of strength coaches in the country are, they're trying to be, you know, have the Kim Kardashian mold and be, um, social media divas. And they're very, ter- I mean, they're, they're, they're God awful coaches, you know? So they're trying to, they're trying to build a resume on social media. And then, you know, uh, with technology, they're looking at the units and not looking at the athlete. So they're looking at they're looking at numbers, and they're not looking at the you know the the technical aspects of any anything that they're doing. And so the athlete's just sitting there, you know, destroying himself while the coach is staring at a at a unit, and they're not getting any feedback to the athlete. So there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, variables involved. The reason why we're going backwards, but a lot of it is. Um, based on this little thing I'm holding in my hand right now, looking at you, <laughs> this iPhone. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, but I don't want to, I don't want to blame the technology. I, I want to blame. It's, it's like they say, like marketers ruin everything. And, and unfortunately, I mean, you can say that, you know, they can make things better too, but they, unfortunately they ruin everything. And I think this tool, this social media tool is just a platform for marketers to really, take control of and and i think that's what's happening and all those coaches out there that are better marketers than coaches they're the ones ruining or devolving you know the forcing the the game to devolve uh, would yeah. you say when you say it's more to the marketing aspects and it really is the technology aspect yeah i mean it, it's the fact that the, the marketing aspects is at their fingertips yeah. it's so easy now you know well, we, and but the people like us need to be better marketers who, who understand this right wouldn't you say that that needs to happen <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think, you know, that needs to happen. I, I think, I think, and two, I think as far as the field, as far as my field's concerned, we're undereducated. I think they yeah. have so many guys in this field who think they have all the answers in the world. They, they have no idea what the questions are. Right. And, you know, if you look at, I mean, you're, I kind of turned you on to Bonnerchuk a couple of yeah, years ago. I love that. And, I still and if talk you look, about him. And if you look at Iceran, Bonnerchuk, you know, Vershansky uh, and all these guys who, who they, they have PhDs, you know, they're PhDs and they're coaches, you know, so their, their, their IQs are, are out the roof, you know, their, their, their science backgrounds out the roof, 
you know, they're, they're doing so much, you know, just as much research as they are coaching. And, you know, when you look at the average uh, dumbass in our field who, you know, they bench press, so they think they're, they're you know, they buy a, uh, an agility ladder and all of a sudden they're a speed guru, you know, strength coach. And or in, or in then, my field, just because they played professional baseball, they know everything. Oh, well, it's the same half the strength coaches in college football, you know, just because they, they, they got promoted as an intern to a GA just because they played on that, on, that, on that team, whatever college they were at. Yeah. With absolutely no – I mean, actually, no no science background, but a football coach says, you know what, you got a lot of energy, and uh, so and you like to yell a lot. So I'm going to hire you as the head strength coach, with absolutely no, uh, you know, background whatsoever as far as education. So go. Let's go into your book because I think this doesn't this segue into your book really well. Yeah, I guess, man. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to be it's going to be like really. Uh, you know, uh, hated in the, in the field, um, you know, cause I, I write how I talk and, um, it's, you and know, that, and that's so, how you taught me. I don't know, man. I, I, yeah. I, I love, I, but I love it. It works, man. And you yeah. gotta, you gotta shake am, it up. Man. You know, so it's, um, just me kind of ranting about the field and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of negative in tone, but I think it needs to be, I think, um, you know, like guys like Brett Bartholomew, he's, you know, he's like the positive, uh, influence and Brett and I are good friends. I said, Brett, I'm going to be the, you, you be the light side. I'm going to be the dark side, you know? And, and, but we both have the same message is we both have two completely different ways of, of promoting our message. So, um, you know, uh, it's, I'm going to, it's going to be out probably next month. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, rants of, of a madman and strength and conditioning. And it just, it goes, I kind of read it. I mean, wrote it like, um, uh, like passages like the Bible. So it has like me with a quote of something I said in training with like Curticus 7, 22, 18. And then I, <laughs> then I explain what I said. So it's kind of sacrilegious on top of it, uh, you know, uh, but uh, no boundaries. You know, I think, uh, you know, with the liability issues in our field and, and all the, all the, all the negative things that have been to light in the field with players dying, you know, in conditioning and football and, um, so, I mean, I just call it, call, call, call it to light. I mean, there are a lot of people in my field who, cause everybody knows everybody and no one wants to call anybody out because, because all oh, that's, you know, cause it's such a good old boy network. And when you got guys dying on the field, something's mm-hmm. wrong, you know? So. No, I'm dude, I'm in the same situation. I mean, with mine, it's not a serious death, but with the ones I call out and I've pushed for years of the, the weighted ball, but weighted baseball groups that, you know, at all costs, they just want to promote and grow. And there's a serious issue with using these devices as uh, velocity tools or at high intent. Um, I mean, I've just seen it for the past seven years of them pushing this, the carnage that's come out of it, like career ending injuries, like continuously, because these kids walk into it in- ignorantly and innocently of what it can do to them. And and they don't care. And, and I'm being... I mean, I believe my lawsuits that I'm in have a lot to do with this. And, and it's just ridiculous. It's just, that's the problem, isn't it? I'm sure there's good and evil and everything, but it's, it's those in the industry that they don't really care about the people they're helping. They're really not in, in it to influence others. They're into it to influence their pocketbooks. Yeah. And that's what's unfortunate. I don't know how you can be a coach and not be really in it to help people. It, that's, the, that's the basis of why you're in the field. I mean, you're one, you're a teacher, but you're in the, the, the basis of why you're in the field to help other people. 
and whether it's coaches or athletes, you know, and our athletes, families, I mean, you're that it is a servant field. And if you're, if you're serving yourself, you're in the wrong field and, and, t- and you're going to be exposed sooner or later. You know, it, it basically, it's all going to, it always comes to light. No matter what happens, it's going to come to light. You're damn right. Um, and so talk a little, give me some details in the book. Like, but, so what are, what are some of the key things that you, is really upsetting to you uh, in, uh, in strength and conditioning? Well, one is like, you know, the people that are making the hires have no idea what a good, a good strength and conditioning coach is. So you have, you have sport coaches that don't have a science background or biomechanics background. They don't even know the questions to ask in an interview process. All they, all they know is, is what they, you know, recommendations from other coaches. Um, you know, are you likable in the interview? Can you answer some basic questions, uh, you know, to the manner in which they want you to respond to them? You have athletic directors that have no idea what you do, how you do, what, why you do what you do. Um, and basically, if you don't make the sport coach happy, then you're not doing your job when, you know, maybe sometimes not making a sport coach happy saves a kid's life, you know, and so you're fighting, you're, you're fighting administration, you're fighting all these sport coaches that have all these different, um, you know, phobias and, you know, on training that have no idea what they're talking about. They're still saying, you know, that if you squat, it hurts your knees. You know, uh, if you press overhead, it hurts your shoulders. And, you know, they, you know, so they're, they're, they're so back in the dark ages from what they were taught. Um, then on top of that, you have all these, uh, young, some of these young coaches who are just social media whores who just, they're, you know, they're, they're so busy taking selfies. I don't think they ever coached an athlete the entire year, right. um, and, and flexing and, you know, in front of the camera and, you know, and wearing a, an extra medium baby gap polo, you know, on the, on the field, you know, so, you know, to make them look bigger than, you know, it's like, dude, just train harder, you know, <laughs> wear a bigger shirt and train harder. Uh, you well, know. what? So, what do you think? So, I, I decided to go out and get my master's in kinesiology. So, I, I felt like that was something I needed to do. Don't, don't you think? Do you think that's a good move for young strength coaches to get the education? Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, education is. I don't care whether it's getting certifications, getting a master's, getting a PhD. Um, if I had it all over to do it again, I'd probably get a PhD. I said, but but I moved up in the field so fast yeah. um, that it was. You know, I was working. 70 hours a week, yeah. you know, on the, and I'm a field coach. So I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a coach that sits in, sits in a, in a, in an office. I'm, I'm on the platform on the field 24 seven. I don't, that's what I, that's what I'm good at. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not good at sitting at a computer entering data and, right. you know, staring at a gym aware, you know, I'm a, I'm a technical coach. So, right. um, you know, I get certified, I get like typically two certifications a year. You know, I, I try to, I mean, whether it's sports nutrition, I'm going out to Altus, uh, in, in Phoenix, uh, with, uh, this year, this May and, and getting certified with them. Um, you know, uh, John Barori's, uh, precision nutrition. I got, I took that last year, you know, got certified as a sports nutritionist. Uh, I'm looking for like a sports psych type certification. I'll do, you know, a lot of different, uh, um, rehab modality certifications. So I want to get certified in ART, you know, I want, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's the like it's evolving. continuing ed for you. Yeah, well, that and the field's evolving to the point where that you need to you need to you be able to work with the athlete during training, you know, and be able to make adjustments to the athlete in training so they don't get hurt. So it's not yeah. really prehab. It's it's 
you're working with the athlete in movement. So if you can do some stuff to help him getting in the right positions through ART or any kind of soft tissue work, well, then you're, pre- then you're essentially you're preventing an injury, you know, you know, you know, in, in the, in the front hand. So it's, you know, it's, you can never be educated enough. And I think once most strength coaches get their masters, they just kind of stop, you know, and, um, you're still, and even with certifications, like getting certified through the CSC, you know, through SCA or CSCCA, it's just a certification. It doesn't tell you you're worth a shit as a coach. It just says you have some basic knowledge, you know? And so I think that, and then continually to, to refine your, your technical skills as a coach, you know, I'll, I'll, you, you know, you know me, I'll train, I'll train to the day I die. I'm on the field. I, I yeah. do, I do all our sprint work. I do, you know, I don't, most strength coaches can only be in the weight room. They can't do anything in movement on the field. Because they because they they don't they're not athletic enough they're not coordinated enough they don't have the knowledge, um, you know I've always been adept, just as adept on the field as is in the weight room and a lot of strength coaches they just like want to walk around up and down the rack yelling and screaming because it's easy. Now walk outside and be and and and, and technically train in acceleration deceleration, uh, in power and plyometrics in movement in skill acquisition. It's I mean you it's a it's one, it's a ton of coaching. Uh, and it, you get a whole lot, you know, you're a lot more fatigued coming off that field than when you're in the weight room. Yeah. You know? And so, um, you know, you guys just don't, they don't want they don't want to get out of the weight room because it's air conditioned and it's easy. So I, I learned most of my programming from you, um, training with you for 10 plus years, probably. Um, and I know, I mean, you've influenced a lot of us, Chad Englehart, um, I mean, you got a you got a list. We could go th- you're like you're catching up with Coach Hatch and all the guys you've been coaching, huh? Or you've influenced? Yeah, I'd be mean, some of it a bad way, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, I I love yeah. it. Yeah, you so, ask their wives, man. If you ask their wives, you're like, God, don't hang out with Kurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but talk about like define your methods. I mean, I could define what I learned from you, but I, you've evolved a lot past me. Like define what what really represents you? Like, so if you were getting a job, like what would you be telling the AD on your methods and, and why your methods are so effective? I mean, you look at, and that's kind of another reason why the field gets t- torn apart. Cause you have like guys who are like, you know, Olympic lifting guys and they go, and that's their, that's their, that's their base. That's their philosophy. That's, that's where they feel comfortable. And then you got guys who are like West side barbell guys are five, three, one guys are, you know, our tier, our tier, like Joe Ken tier guys are, you know, uh, one by 20, like, yes, this, and which I'm like, I'm really digging a lot more. The more I read, the more I listen to like Jeff Moyer, uh, Ryan Bracious, um, you know, uh, guys like that who, um, um, who really use one by 20 a lot. Um, you know, so you get, you're defined by kind of your philosophy and my philosophy is every athlete's individual, you know, even though you're, you are working with in a sport and by position, I, you know, my philosophy is I'm going to do what's best for that athlete at that point in time in that athlete's career. And everything that I write, every block is like a pyramid. And so I go from one block to the next with a, every every block has a point of emphasis, a, a primary and a secondary. And that, that works all the way to getting to the uh, to the season. And um, and then once I get the season, I still have, you know, in my in-season blocks, there's still primary and secondary emphasis all the way through through my training. Um, but 
I think I, you know, especially with more skilled guys like DBs, receivers, um, I spend more time on the field than in the weight room. Um, I spend more time with our power guys like O and D line in the in the weight room than than out on the field because that's that's their job. Um, so um, I think we we spend too much time looking at uh, absolute strength and max effort lifts. Uh, I think it kind of inhibits a lot of the things that we that we do in movement, mm-hmm. um, especially with with stretching the quad tendon and and, and uh, you know closer you get to competition with guys who are speed guys, I think it, it decreases your power, uh, you know, in sprinting. And so the closer I get to the season, like in, 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 in June and July, when most people are really squatting super heavy to get ready for the season, I'm backing off and I'm going quarter squats. I'm doing a lot of different, different, uh, like VBT exercises and, and I'm getting away from heavy, heavy squatting with my DBs and receivers because I want them to be as fast as humanly possible when the season starts um, so I do all that, all that max effort stuff uh, early in the year in January and build up my strength through spring ball and then kind of start walking away from it. You know, the game is about moving. And think about this. I mean, coming from a baseball background, how many hours a day do you think a baseball player from five years old to freshman in college, they spend in a batting cage, on a field, rec leagues, uh, travel teams, uh, high school, junior high, high school. I mean, how much skill work does a baseball player do That's in a career? That's all okay, now, now think about a football player. Yeah, from, the other way around. Wait, how, how much skill work does a football player do? Like well, by position, know. how much wide receiver work? How much quarterback work? Quarterbacks probably do the most work, yeah. you know, because and they'll because they'll have a quarterback, you know, skill coach. But how many? I mean, how many offensive linemen work on their skill year round? How many deep D linemen work on their skill, like like a baseball player does, or a basketball player, or a soccer athlete? So, but if you're not getting better in skill, how are you becoming a better football player? Mm-hmm. If a baseball player not, never got in a, in, a, in a cage, you know, and hit, is it going to be how how great yeah. is it going to become? You know, I think you're always trying to establish that balance. It's just with baseball, I'm the other way around. I'm trying to get them off the field and get get them some off-season player development. Like, player development yeah. almost doesn't exist still in baseball, you know? Right. It's flipped for football. Yeah. So, it's like it, like skill development is non-existent in football. Now, yeah. now you're getting, you know, more guys uh, who are, like, you're getting um, guys working with D-linemen, like martial artist guys, you know, guys like Mike Storms, you know, who are uh, working with, O and D line on, on the hand skills. You got more quarterback coaches out there uh, doing, you know, have just uh, whole businesses on, on on just working with quarterbacks. Uh, you got you got some DB guys out there that that have a huge DB following where they were working on skill for DBs, you know, from six, seven, eight year olds all the way up through through college because you know it, it's skill. I mean, I have a receiver right now, 166 pounds. He can barely squat. He, he, he can't even squat. 285 you know but he's the fastest guy on the field and no one in the conference can cover him mm-hmm. so why should i just keep crushing this guy on max effort work well and when, unless he was injured injury prone to that speed you yeah. might need that right you know so no i mean i you know, i'm gonna i'm gonna build up a lot of other qualities yeah. you know yes he has to put he needs to put on some weight we need to you know we have to go do some hypertrophy work with him but it, making him stronger is not going to make him a better football player. Yeah, because I think that's the 
that's the the stigmatism with with football training is it, it's got to be brute force and you're just basically educating them to say no it, it needs to be well-rounded you know yeah i mean and conversely i've got a quarterback who was a baseball player who was drafted in baseball it was a 600 pound squatter a 345 pound power cleaner uh you know and he's he's a he's about 385 bencher you know and he's you know he's built like a tank and you know he he can squat about every four months and still be over a 500 pound squat. So why work on, on him getting stronger? Why I'd rather be on the field, you know, where he's yeah. throwing more, where he's, his timing is better working on, on his vision, just like you work on a, with a hitter with vision, which I'm doing a lot more with our players as I'm, you know, uh, working with, um, work with the peripheral vision working on their non-dominant eye, uh, working on their vision and cognition, you know, together in movement, um, just like a, a hitter would, you know, just like a big time hitter would, or our pitcher would, you know? And so don't you think your, your perspective comes from your, your evolution as a strength coach being the fact that your really first introduction into a lot of this was speed work. Don't you think that's yeah. what's kind of kept your, your perspective is because speed is really a skill. So you're, you're yeah, always focused on whatever doing the weight room and has to be able to translate to the skill, right? That. And at the same time, I think I have this, not a distrust for most humans, but it, you know, it's, I, I, I'm always questioning everything, no matter what someone does or, or writes about, it, I always, I always look at it skeptically and, and kind of question it, not, not saying that they're wrong, but just to get a higher understanding, you know? And, um, I think a lot of coaches are, are, are too easily swayed like especially in their they have one philosophy one week and then someone writes a book and then the next week they have a completely different philosophy the next week and and i'm i'm a little more skeptical and i i want i'll try it out myself i'll, I'll train myself with it and make, see what how i adapt and you know it's i just have a little bit different i'm, I'm more and I'm, but at the same time i'm still more open-minded i'm more, I'm more open-minded to try new things uh, and I'm always trying to push that 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 envelope right there where, where um, you know, I want my guys I want my guys to win. I want them to, to move to the next level. So I'm going to try things that other coaches are too scared to try. You know, and as long as the, as long as the athlete stays healthy, I'm good. I mean, I've always heard that in all in baseball, too, is coaches um, are always changing to new philosophies and methods. And I've never felt that. And I feel like do you think this could be the case? I was like you. I like I came into this as as a baseball as a player, so I really all I care about is the biomechanics at the end of the day. Like I, I I know I've studied it. I know the way you have to move on a mound. Like there's core principles here. If you don't apply them, it, I don't care right. what you think's going to happen. It isn't going to work. So I'm trying to get everyone to these core biomechanical principles. So whatever I do in the weight room is the, that's the ultimate goal is to get it there. So right. to me, changing things, I'm not changing it going. Well, how's this going to affect their delivery? I sh I already know how it's going to affect their delivery. I just want to see if it if it actually does what I think it's going to do. Well, I think too a lot of people get bored with the basics. They get bored uh, like coaches get bored with it, athletes get bored with it, and they get bored with it before they before they achieve any kind of any kind of semblance of of of, of, of technicality, you know and and that's your base. No matter what your philosophy is, whatever the whatever your philosophy is. Your the basic movement skills, that's your base and being being adept and efficient at those uh, at those movement skills 
is where is is true coaching. And I think people want to go to the they want to go to the fun looking stuff. The, they want to go to the, the stuff that looks cool. They want to go to the stuff that you know the social media bullshit. And you know it's 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 just different. You know, I mean. But, I mean, don't you feel like a lot of these coaches don't really know what they're looking for? Like, they, they're just yeah, putting yeah, things definitely. in play, and they don't know what yeah. the hell they're trying to get out of it. Yeah, definitely. You know, they don't, you know, it's, um, let me walk away a second. No problem. Um, you know, it's just they're, they're looking for, for answers, and they're, again, they're looking for answers without, without knowing the question. I think. Or, without I think knowing where I, they want to go. Yeah, you know, and so All right. uh, I wanted to Mal, go. I, it, 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 this is a it's such a complex field that you know what you do, what I do. It's it's it, there are no easy answers, and everybody wants that that one easy answer. They want that one, you know, give me the answer, and there is no the answer. Science is always going to disprove science sooner or later, and. Wow. But the like, but like basic the, scientific principles, you know, they're they're probably they're pretty much probably going to be etched in stone. Yeah, I, mean, I like to say R never equals one. You know, correlation coefficient. I mean, it it never equals one. It it you know, it's a strong correlation, but it's never the correlation, right? right. So it's like you're never going to find one thing. It's it's going to be sh- everything is going to be an influencer. You're just trying to find what things have more influence. And it doesn't mean the other things are not wor- are not worthy or not you know valuable. It just means that you wouldn't want to overemphasize those things, but you probably still want to do them. Definitely. Um, talk. Let's talk about since we're getting close here. Um, you, you developed or you invented this new bench, and I think this is important because we can go into overhead training for throwing athletes, which is a big part of baseball. So this bench is really cool. You took a traditional bench and you've you've cut out the scapular positioning um, in the bench, basically allowing the scaps to move freely. So it kind of created these little crescent cuts on both sides where the shoulders would lay. And you know this is you found real benefit to this. You obviously have used it personally. Talk about this new invention you've coming out or y'all are coming well, out with, and uh, let's go had, into the principles behind it. I had yeah, I've had shoulder problems for the last five years where I, you know, I, had, I knew I had a torn labrum and I just kept training until, um, I'm a big bow hunter. So my, my mentality was when I can't draw a bow, then I'll have surgery. Right. So when the pain gets so bad that I can't draw, so I was still training, I was still snatching, cleaning, doing jerks. Wasn't, wasn't fun, but you know, I knew it was already torn. It was not a whole lot. It was the damage I was going to do to it. It was, you know, make, you know, I just going to make the, the gap a little bit bigger for the surgeon to, to play with. Um, but you know, benching was just beyond painful, you know? And so, but when I do push-ups, I can put 300 pounds on my back and do push-ups, and, and, you know, uh, as long as that my, my scaps could, could, could float, yeah. I was fine. I had no pain. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, bench is a reverse push-up. So just in my head, I was like, you know, what if you laid down the bench and your scaps had freedom of movement? Because, you know, you, you, you try to teach your athletes to retract their blades, in a bench, but you're with, with, when it's loaded, you're not going to hold retraction. You know, it's, they're, they're going to flatten out. It's just, it's almost impossible. Um, you'll start out in retraction and then after the first rep, you're, you're not retracted anymore. So I just drew it on a whiteboard and kind of, actually I kind of laid on the bench, measured myself out on the bench with a measuring tape 
and then kind of figured out how, where to cut these crescents out and actually put a ridge in the middle that fits in your spine to kind of raise you up just a little bit. Uh, and had, uh, you know, Soren has built, built our weight room. I had Bert build me a pad and he's, you know, um, I sent him the dimensions. He sent it to me and put it on the bench and, uh, right after I had surgery. And so I used it for my rehab and for the first time I could go through any, any, any benching movement with, with zero pain, you know, and, um, where I couldn't even literally 95 pounds lit me up, you know, and, uh, coming back from post-surgery and I had a lot of AC, uh, the AC scrape that the clavicle scrape I had, it looked like a doc said, it looked like a bomb blew up in my shoulder and, uh, taking bone fragments out. And, um, so, I was doing a lot of just, I did, you know, barbell work, dumbbell work, uh, multi-grip bar work. I used every, every apparatus I could use on that bench to see if no matter, uh, you know, what my technique was, if it would bother my, if it would bother my shoulder and I had no problems of, uh, all the baseball pit, you know, the pitchers at, at tech use it pressing movements. They, they feel no pain. They, they freaking think it's awesome. Um, but so we're going to do a research on it. Um, we just got okayed by uh, the athletic department and by coach Burroughs with the baseball team, with our exercise science department. Um, we're going to do a, a study with it, with, you know, uh, hooking them up to EMGs and, um, and working with uh, three different populations on the baseball team. And, uh, you know, hopefully found a way where you can press where it is not, you know, where it's not, any way or shape or form detrimental to the shoulder whatsoever. And whether it's you have impingement or not. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, just from my own experience and from the, the players on the team so far this year, I think it kind of revolutionary, you know, it kind of revolutionizes what, uh, what we've always been taught about pressing. Um, and it'll be, it'll enable athletes in baseball to get, uh, you know, some, a lot of upper body strengthening, uh, without any undue stress on their shoulder. And, and it's something that will be consumable. I mean, we can, you're selling it to the, to the consumer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that's probably, it, it probably sooner or later it really wasn't my goal. My goal was just for me to be out for my goal is for me to press without pain. Uh, but I think looking at the way they're building weight rooms around the country, just for baseball, like Alabama just built theirs, you know, Ole Miss just built theirs. Um, Mississippi State, you know, is building theirs. Or, I mean, um, God, I saw another school. They had oh, it was Ole Miss. Ole Miss had one. Ole Miss baseball weight room is better, bigger than our football weight room. So no it's like way. ten thousand square foot. That's great. Just for baseball. That's they you. have like they're like sixteen, sixteen or eighteen uh, platforms and racks. Wow. Yeah, you know, and so I think, and the way you know professional baseball is starting to finally train instead of just u- utilizing steroids for for strength. Um, I think it's it's one of those benches that that every uh, even track athletes who are overhead throwers will will go to, you know. Well, I can't wait for it's out. I'm hoping I can get a piece. Um, let let's talk about how should we as strength coach with baseball players, or how should baseball players in general train their over train overhead. I, I mean, I love overhead lifts. I love uh, unilateral uh, overhead holds and, and, and walking overhead. I just like building a lot of overhead strength. What's I mean, your I think, approach? I think as, as long as you have, if you, as long as you have the mobility, I think if, if you have the mobility to press overhead, you know, if you don't have the mobility, then you work on the mobility first. But I, I, I've, I've not had an athlete yet, a, a baseball player yet, or a pitcher or a throwing athlete 
um, that had mobility have issues pressing overhead. And I, I know, I, I know that, you know, certain athletes do have impingements, you know, but it's not a disease that every baseball player has. It has. It's not like, oh, I'm a baseball player. I have the disease of impin- shoulder impingement. Some athletes have it and you have to work around it. But, you know, not every athlete does. I mean, if uh, even like you remember, like growing up training you, how many athletes I had um, snatched and jerked? You know, as 12-year-olds who are baseball players, and then they, they still snatched, jerked, cleaned all the way through college and in, into the league, you know, and that never had an issue whatsoever until they got to Major League Baseball, you know. And that was only – it wasn't an issue of, of a performance-related issue. It was an issue that the, the, the managers of the team had with them training that, in that yep. manner and their, their PT slash strength coach. I mean, I, like I tell the kids, I said, look, the only issue with the training or lifting overhead with coaches is they're probably when guys do it heavily in season and you're throwing every day, it's just it's just more arm fatigue. So it's yeah. got to be something where you got to understand how to program it. It needs to be be set up as a maintenance approach in season. And it's definitely something you need to build well in the off season. So it doesn't crush you in season. Yeah. No. So, I mean, it's it's off seasons where it's at. So, I mean, it, as long as they can, as long as they, they, I look at it as building up a callus. As long as they build up that callus in the off season, you can do certain things during the end season to maintain it. It doesn't have to be done every day. It's just like, it's, it's just maintenance. It's just like in squatting in football for receivers, you know, you can, you can squat them every three weeks and they're not going to lose any squat strength whatsoever, you know? And, and that's what people don't understand about strength. Just, just doesn't go away, you know, in, in, in a day or two, it's going to, you have residual effects. You build up enough of a callus in the off season. Those residuals are going to last longer during the season. Yeah. And I mean, if we look at the loading of a overhead throwing athletes, say a pitcher, the external rotation load has been up to 60 pounds laying back. The distraction force is up to 250 pounds pulling the arm out of socket at a at pitch release and at a high velocity. So if I'm supposed to lay back 60 pounds and distract 250, I better be doing some overhead lifting, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, are you, are you just waiting for, you know, to, to call an ortho to get a surgery? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but <laughs> the like I, was. Like, I mean, you even have someone like Kurt Schilling who's been very vocal against it. You don't need to do any of this lifting. I, I know we're going back to that subject. That's just the hard time. It's like these kids are being told by these old school guys, don't lift. And then yeah. you have these strength coaches tell them this total opposite and they're just right. freaking out. They don't know what to do. But I mean, how many of those old school guys that you don't know in that era where you were using HGH, were using, using steroids, were or, using, or just genetically rose to the top, you know, or that's it. You're, you have genetic freaks in every, every field that you can't, you can't destroy, you know? And, but then there are other guys who from, from, they don't have that genetic capacity. So you have to build it. Well, and you know what? That's been the thing with me. It's like, it was for me, it was your mentality was, you know, we're not, our approach isn't built for elite genetic specimens. We're actually, our approach is built for anyone. Anyone, the average Joe who wants to be great, we, this, our approaches are built for that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, you can, with the, with, with the genetic freaks, they can do anything and they're still genetic freaks. And they're going to go out and, and perform at a high level. But everyone else trying to get there, you have to develop yourself. I mean, you, you, it's, it's, if, it were, if it were that easy, everyone would do it. 
You know, if everybody had that genetic capability, everybody would go to the league. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. But it's just so corrupting for a lot of these kids too, because they'll see those genetic freaks. They'll 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 see and hear of their routines, and they don't do shit, and they're lazy, and they party, and 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 these kids that don't have that genetic ability think that that for some reason that's going to work for them. It's right. how do you deal with kids that have that mentality? I mean, it's it's you know the only thing is education. You know, it's education. It's uh, a lot of communication and. Uh, you know, it's just like with football. It's every 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 kid that walks into college thinks he thinks he's automatically going to the NFL, and it's that. And it's so easy. It's so easy to get there. And you know, after uh, you know two weeks of of fall camp, when they realize they know nothing about the game and that they can't even get on the field, that it's you know it's 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 not going to happen. So it's just developing them, communicating with them. So. You know. So so you're loaded with information, man. I mean, the reason you've been a mentor, I mean, be honest, Kurt, being around you, you're such a, you know, player's guy, a rah-rah, beat the crap out of you guy. I don't think people realize how smart you are. I mean, I'm sure you probably get that a lot. Kurt's not no, I mean, smart. No, Kurt, you're, you're very, you're incredibly smart. So are you still like, do you have a lot of your literature out publicly or is there any place people can go to learn more what about what you do? Uh, I mean, I've written for different, different, you know, like simplyfaster.com and, um, you know, I've, I've more, more, I've been more speaking at conferences than anything, you know, and then, you know, like I said, I, put, I wrote this book more of a, of just a, a me being just annoyed at the field. Um, Are you, know, you putting like, a lot of good education in there too? Yeah, it's a lot, of, a lot of it is like, all right, this is what I see. This is all the dumbass stuff that I've done. Uh, you know, this is why we need to rectify that mentality. Um, you know, and it's kind of like the way I wrote the book, it's kind of like, you know, you always tell your athletes never drink and press send, you know, on Twitter. Well, <laughs> it's kind of like never sit down and write a book when you're pissed off at the world, you know, it's kind of harsh, but at the same time, I think it's needed. And, um, you know, about the field itself and where it's going and things that we, we, we uh we need to do and, and I, don't, I don't i don't i don't i didn't write it from my ivory tower i i've put all the things that i've done wrong and why you know why we should do things differently and that yeah I, you know i've been a dumb fuck too you know and it's not like i'm telling people you know i'm preaching to people like you know i've never done it before and like no man i've done all the dumb things i'm trying to keep y'all from doing all the dumb things so that's more the intent of the book than than it is of of just kind of ranting for no for no reason um you know well, it, where where will that where are they going to be able to find it? I, I'm gonna put it on Amazon because 100 percent of the proceeds is going to charity. I'm not I don't want any, a penny of it. Uh, you know, uh, half of it's going to go to the um, uh, Navy SEALs Foundation, nice. and the other because they I've worked with a lot of SEALs and they've helped my programs by coming in and speaking to our athletes for free and doing some stuff with them. Uh, and then St. Jude's Children's Hospital um, are starting uh, running back Jaquise Dancy had Hodgkins last year. Wow. And they treated him, you know, like he was a child and, and, and got him healthy. And he, wow. he would be our, one of our starting tailbacks this year. And wow. so half's going to St. Jude's. The other half's going to go That's to cool. Navy SEALs Foundation. That's great, man. You've always been a very generous person. I mean, to me, you've always been incredibly supportive of me. You've helped so many guys through your legacy go out and be great strength coaches. And you're always about giving back and helping I really appreciate it, what you've done, man. I mean, I don't think I've thanked you enough, but I, I, I do. I owe you a lot of respect. I appreciate it, brother. 
He always and, one of my favorite guys because he was one of the few baseball players that really wanted to, to go into beast mode every day. I did. I loved <laughs> it. I don't think I got to truly see everything that was you because, I mean, I heard the stories, Kurt. I've heard all your stories. I kind of wish I was there most of <laughs> Yeah, a lot of stories. I'm saying, but the thing is that, you know, the stuff that I did was pre-social media. Yeah, yeah I know. So thank I, I God, never, right? Thank like, God. Oh, well, they, they, I, I, I used to chain the door shut. I used to chain, <laughs> put chains and locks on so that, the, you know, that no one would, you know, would find anything. But I would, I would even, I would never even. I don't, that's why I don't allow cell phones in the weight room. I'll never allow a cell phone anywhere near me. <laughs> Your legend. I think the best story I ever heard. I wasn't there. Was when you brought the alligator in. I know you've told it many times, but that that yeah. story's gone legendary. That's uh, that's. Pure speculation, pure hearsay. <laughs> so, guys, supposedly he brought a alligator in to motivate the guys on a max day, and uh, it, it turned into a real spectacle. <laughs> more, more so for the alligator. <laughs> <laughs> but this is coming from an avid hunter. Uh, you've been hunting since you were a kid, so you know yeah. how to handle animals, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I taped his mouth out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, dude, I appreciate it. it no you, are you are you open to people contacting you? Yeah, I mean, just people email me. Um, you know, I spent actually I was driving from North Louisiana, South Louisiana, I spent and you know, half the trip talking to a strength coach from Domain High School in South Carolina. You know, so uh, coaches call me. They say you anytime anybody wants to stop by Tech and cool. and jump in and and guest coach and learn. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always open. You know, my email is khester at latech.edu. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it doesn't, you know, DM me, doesn't matter. You know, I'll always, if you email me, um, you know, I'll always get back to you. And then if I can't answer your questions off of email, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll send you my cell and you just call me and we'll talk by phone. And, you know, guys always ask me what colleges would be really open to similar methods that I have. I, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say, I mean, of course you, but wouldn't you, would you say the, the baseball program at Louisiana Tech is a good program? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll probably, we're, we have pretty high RPI right now. We'll probably go to a regional. Um, we've been in and out of regions the last, you know, four years. And um, we have some, you know, some really good athletes who, who, they, who love to train, you know, some, some, they're great dudes, but they're also dudes that they're very, very aggressive and physical. And that's the kind of baseball they play. So if I got any guys on here that really believe in my methods and are looking for a college, uh, who, how would, should they reach out to Louisiana Tech? Do you go um, through the recruiting? I just, you know, uh, get on staff directory uh, in the baseball staff directory uh, for La Tech. And, and they have the, the, all the baseball coaches' emails and just email the coach directly. Can they, can they drop your name and say they heard about you on the podcast? Always. <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to get them to, to you know especially in South Louisiana trying to get them to recruit more guys from South Louisiana right now yes sir that's where all the crazy baseball players are or crazy yeah. athletes well cool man well thank you dude I know you're busy you got to go back to your family right now thank you and hey if you if you're around here dude you haven't seen my new facility you need to come see my new facility definitely um, I'll be back down every weekend the next couple of weeks all right well let me let me kill this little good 